Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day, but each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar who will be your host in this roundup of the past week of fake news. We actually had a major shakeup in the news world this past week. Fox News has parted ways with Tucker Carlson. This is a major blow to the network, um, although it might have been self-inflicted, as you see from the title of this episode. Um, this might have been a self-inflicted wound, but this is going to be a major, major blow to them. We're going to talk about some of the probable or potential ramifications from this decision uh, as we go forward. But this is going to be a major shakeup to Fox News because Tucker Carlson, for him to be taken off the air, uh, this this was their most popular show. This was their most. Po- this was not just their most popular show. He was the dominant force of that hour of that news block um, on on cable TV. You know, most the he had the majority viewers at that time slot. And so now, I mean, that program has been taken off the air. That is a, even reruns, Tucker Carlson reruns would regularly get more viewers than, you know, CNN and a lot of other things on different networks because Tucker Carlson was just that popular. So um, this is, this is pretty bad for Fox. Why would they do such a thing? (laughs) The idea here is that uh, they fired him. We don't have all the details yet. As I'm recording this, this is only Tuesday. This was announced Monday morning. So I you know I mean we've had a few details leak out and from what we've seen so far this wasn't mutual. Um I don't know how much Tucker might have wanted to leave. He certainly is the kind of guy who has options. He's not the, certainly could be successful in other spheres besides just being on Fox News, but man that's a great gig for somebody to have that time slot and be in I mean it used to be Bill O'Reilly's spot and then it was Megan Kelly's spot and now here it is Tucker Carlson's spot, uh, and now it's going to be someone else's. I mean, that's a that's a great time slot on the network, and Fox is a you know, big media conglomerate, so this was good for him, but he was also very good for them. And so um, we haven't got all the details yet. If more details have come out by the time this airs Friday, then I might have to do a little quick follow-up, you know, Thursday evening and add something to this later. But from what we know so far, Monday morning, Fox News puts out this uh, press release. Very short. It says, Fox News Media and Tucker Carlson part ways. Fox News Media and Tucker Carlson have agreed to part ways. We thank him for his service to the network as a host and prior to that, as a contributor. Mr. Carlson's last program was Friday, April 21st. Fox News Tonight will air live at 8 p.m. starting this evening with a new new host, blah, blah, blah. Uh, interim personalities until a new host is named. So basically, they they... Just put out a very short statement saying what the show that he did last Friday, that was his last show, and he's not getting any more of them. I mean, so this is a this is quite a shakeup. Apparently, a lot of people at the network did not see this coming. A lot of people who worked there, they had no idea that something like this was on the horizon. Um, Tucker Carlson, as of right now, he hasn't said anything. Um, so as I mentioned, all indications so far are that this wasn't really his decision. This wasn't him going in and demanding more money. This wasn't him um, wanting to go do something else, but that he was technically fired, uh, which I think is still just a terrible decision on Fox's part because he was not just their most popular TV host. He was the the most popular news show anywhere in that time slot. And so he was um, pr- pretty big deal. This is a, this is a pretty big, <laughs> this is a pretty big change to the Fox lineup. And for a lot of people, they're probably going to tune out of Fox entirely. Um, for me personally, he was probably the only person on, I don't, I don't even have cable. Uh, I think pretty much all cable news is worthless anyway. So I wasn't, to me, if Tucker Carlson went anywhere else and was doing his news show uh, or a podcast or something, I'd be much more likely to go listen to him if he's not associated with Fox. Um, so I don't know for financially for him if this is going to be better, but as far as his uh, reputationally, you know, I I'm not a big fan of the Fox Network. So I think for for his reputation, if he continues to do news somewhere else, I'd be more likely to go catch it there. 
And uh, and Tucker Carlson, he's just the kind of guy he could do anything he wants. He could he could go do a podcast. He could join Daily Wire. I don't know that Daily Wire or The Blaze or Newsmax. I don't know that any of those places could afford Tucker Carlson. <laughs> you know, I don't think he could make more than what he was making from Fox. And I don't know if he could even make enough. You know, he might demand too much money, so they might they might not be able to afford him. But if he kind of did an independent thing, uh, I guess. This wouldn't apply if he was fired. If if he if it does turn out that he quit, there's probably a non-compete clause somewhere in his contract that he can't just go work somewhere else. Um, could be there even if he was fired. I'm not sure. You know, we don't know the details. But um, it could be that he doesn't, that he's not allowed to go work for another news network for a year or two, uh, something like that. That was kind of the situation with Megyn Kelly. She couldn't go start her other show or podcast or whatever. I believe she had a non-compete clause in her contract, so she couldn't go do that for some period of time. And then I think she did get an MSNBC show, and then they canned her from that real quick. I could be misremembering, so don't don't quote me on that. I should I should double check my facts on that one. But anyway, uh, I don't know that, that he could necessarily go to one of these other one of these other networks like Daily Wire. Um, I'm not. I would love it if he joined Daily Wire. That would be amazing to me. But I just don't know that that is that that would be a possibility. So some have suggested that he could go out and run for office. And if so, if that's something he would want to do, this could be perfect timing for him because there's elections next year. It's, some have said he might even try for a presidential run. Um, certainly possible. I think one thing that President Trump showed, if he could get elected president, I think anyone can. I mean, one good thing I'd say about President Trump, I'd say a lot of good things about him, but one good thing I'd say is that his win showed anything is possible. You don't have to be some senator or a governor to to run for president and win. You can be a, a successful businessman. And if your message is uh, something that that people resonate with, then you could you can win. Tucker Carlson has a has a message. He has a, a strong voice about what's where things are going in America. And he has good ideas. And so if he wanted to try to put his ideas into a run for president, he could have a pretty good shot. You know, I'd say I'd say he definitely could. This could kind of spoil DeSantis's plans. This could spoil Trump's plans. Um, some have questioned whether he might try to go for Trump's VP. I don't think he would do that. Not not for an ego reason, but just because I don't think I, I don't think he'd want to tie himself to the Trump brand. Like that would just that would actually kind of ruin his reputation. So I don't I don't think he would do that. But could he make a run for president? I say it's in the realm of possibility. Uh, it, it, it seems an idea that he could have been batting around already because over the past um, year or so, uh, he has been visiting a lot of locations that are considered like these early primary states like Iowa, North Carolina, uh, or South Carolina. I can't remember which one, but he's been visiting a lot of those, um, kind of filling things out, it seems like, making speeches, stuff like that. And actually what I want to do here, I want to share a, a very long clip. This is like five minutes long, but I want to share a clip from Tucker Carlson just this past weekend. And he made this speech at the Heritage Foundation. I believe they were celebrating their 50th anniversary. And he was a speaker there. And he gave this speech about where things are going in America. And and he spoke in very black and white terms that we're really in a battle of good and evil. And I would like to play that for you because this is this kind of went viral over the weekend, um, you know, b- before anyone knew he was about to be fired. And uh, and so it's very interesting that this speech went, you know, got shared all around. And then a day or two later, it, Fox News lets him go. Um, it was an excellent speech. And so I'm going to play this for you. And I'd like I'd like you to just, you know, if you haven't heard it already, if you have, I guess you can skip ahead. But if you haven't heard it, I really encourage you to take the time to listen to this speech that he gave. Uh, at the Heritage Foundation. It, it might be time to start to reassess the terms we use to, to describe what we're watching. So when I started at Heritage, the presumption was, and this is a very Anglo-American assumption, that the debates we're having are kind of rational debates about the way to get to mutually agreed upon outcomes. Right? So like we all want the country to be more prosperous and free and people to be less oppressed or whatever. And so we're going to argue about tax rates, and I think higher tax gets, gets us there. I'm a Keynesian, and you disagree, you're an Austrian, or whatever. But the objective is the same. And so we write our papers, and they write their papers, and may the best papers win. I, I, I don't think that's what we're watching now at all. I don't think we're watching a debate over how to get to the best outcome. 
I think that's completely wrong. And I've come to this conclusion, not, and I should say at the outset, I'm an Episcopalian, so don't take any theological advice from me, because I don't have any. I grew up in the foul, shallowest faith tradition that's ever been invented. It's not even a Christian religion at this point. Um, I say with shame. But I'm just saying this as an observer of what's going on. There is no way to assess, say, the transgenderist movement with that mindset. Policy papers don't account for it at all. If you have people who are saying, I have an idea, let's castrate the next generation. Let's sexually mutilate children. I'm sorry, that's not a political debate. What? What does that have to do with politics? What's the outcome we're desiring here? An androgynous population? Is that really what we are? We arguing for that? I don't, I don't think anyone could like, defend that as a positive outcome. But the weight of the government and uh, you know, a lot of corporate interests are behind that. Well, what is that? Well, it's irrational. If you say, well, you know, I think abortion is always bad. Well, I think sometimes it's necessary. That's a debate I'm familiar with. But if you're telling me that abortion is a positive good, what are you saying? Well, you're arguing for child sacrifice, obviously. It's not about like, oh, a teen, you know, a teen girl gets pregnant, and what do we do about that, and victims of rape. I, you know, I get it. I, of course I understand that, and I have compassion for everyone involved. But when the Treasury Secretary stands up and says, you know what you can do to help the economy get an abortion? Well, you, that's like an Aztec principle, actually. There's not a society in history that didn't practice human sacrifice. Not one. I checked. Even the Scandinavians, I'm ashamed to say. It wasn't just the Mesoamericans. It was everybody. So like, that's what that is. Well, what's the point of child sacrifice? Well, there's no policy goal entwined with that. No, that's a theological phenomenon. And that's kind of the point I'm making. None of this makes sense in conventional political terms. When people or crowds of people, or the largest crowd of people at all, which is the federal government, the largest human organization in human history, decide that the goal is to destroy things, destruction for its own sake, hey, let's tear it down. What you're watching is not a political movement, it's evil. So if you want to assess, and I'll put it in non, and I'll stop with this, I'll put it in non, I'll put it in non-political, uh, or non, rather non-specific theological terms and just say, if you want to know what's evil and what's good, what are the characteristics of those? And by the way, you know, I, I think the Athenians would have agreed with this. This is not necessarily just a Christian notion. This is kind of a, I would say, widely agreed upon understanding of good and evil. What are its products? What do these two conditions produce? Well, I mean, good is characterized by order, calmness, tranquility, peace, whatever you want to call it, lack of conflict, cleanliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It's true. It is. And evil is characterized by their opposites. Violence, hate, disorder, division, disorganization, and filth. So if you are all in on the things that produce the latter basket of outcomes, what you're really advocating for is evil. That's just true. I'm not calling for a religious war, far from it. I'm merely calling for an acknowledgement of what we're watching, which is not what, and I'm not, certainly not backing the Republican Party. I mean, ugh. I'm not making a partisan point at all. I'm, I'm just noting what's super obvious. Like those of us who are in our mid-50s are caught in the past in the way that we think about this. One side's like, no, no, you know, I've got this idea and we've got this idea and let's have a debate about our ideas. They don't want a debate. Those ideas won't produce outcomes that any rational person would want under any circumstances. Those are manifestations of some larger force acting upon us. It's just so obvious. It's completely obvious. And I think two things. One, we should say that and stop engaging in these totally fraudulent debates where we are using the terms that we used in 1991 when I started at Heritage as if maybe, you know, I could just win the debate if I marshaled more facts. I've tried that. doesn't work. And two, 
maybe we should all take just like 10 minutes a day to say a prayer about it. I'm serious. Like, why not? And I'm saying that to you, not as some kind of evangelist. I'm literally saying that to you as an Episcopalian. The Samaritans of our time. I'm coming to you from the most humble and lowly theological position you can. I'm literally an Episcopalian, okay? And even I have concluded it might be worth taking just 10 minutes out of your busy schedule to say a prayer for the future, and I hope you will. <laughs> that was uh, that was an incredible speech. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm glad you tuned into fake news this week. I'm glad you're here. But there's nothing I have to say today that's really more profound than that. You know, he admits he's not a spiritual guy, and and yet he recognizes that these are not political problems we're dealing with nowadays, but these are spiritual problems. Uh, it's like when President Biden, when he announced that he was going to run a few years back, and he says, I'm running for, uh, I want to fight for the soul of America. And that has been literally true, even though I don't, it's not probably true in the way that he intended it. Like, you know, he's not, he thinks he's saving the soul of America. I think he's sending America straight to hell. But that is definitely accurate that he did launch a battle for the soul of America. And that is where we are. Whenever President Biden relaunched his campaign, you know, he announced again this past week that he's going to run for president again. And he used the same line. I'm still fighting for the soul of America. And Tucker Carlson right here is basically saying just that. The issues here are spiritual in this country. And he's not a spiritual guy. You know, he says cleanliness is next to godliness. But that's not even a quote from the Bible. It's a popular saying. It's not even in the Bible. But what he's saying right there is he's he's speaking to a truth that many of us perceive, even if it's not literally written in Scripture. But he's perceiving that, yeah, these things that the left is doing, they create ugliness. They create filth. Look at the cities that are run by left-wingers, the the Chicago's and the San Francisco's of the world, Los Angeles, New York, disgusting places run by Democrats. He's pointing out that truth. He's more perceptive and bold than many of our pastors today. There's too many pastors who wouldn't even say that, who wouldn't even say, look at how disgusting San Francisco is. Look at what they've done to it. But it, but it's right on. You know, that is a, it's a spiritual thing. They, it's a, they have dark hearts and they've created a dark place to live. And so I see a lot of pastors, you know, I'm, cause I'm used to work for a church. I've been a pastor. I'm not, I don't, I'm a ordained minister. I don't call myself a pastor really at the moment because I'm not pastoring at a church. Um, but, um, I have many pastor friends, you know, cause I've worked in that, in that field, I guess you could say. And so many of my colleagues or former colleagues or whatever, I see them complaining a lot on on Facebook. They'll complain that that their people are more discipled by right wing pundits than they are by the, the pastors themselves. You know, so they complain. They're like, "Oh, Tucker, Tucker Carlson gets my people five nights a week. I only get them one hour a week." But but see, here's the thing. I want to say those pastors. Here's the thing. Tucker Carlson, guys like him, guys like Matt Walsh. He's a Catholic, but they will actually talk about the issues that are going on in America. Whereas pastors are afraid to touch these things. They're like, well, I can't get into political things, you know. But Tucker Carlson here, he's showing more insight than a lot of pastors. The, 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 they, he's showing more insight than they have by saying the issues America is facing right now are not political. They are spiritual. Uh, right before I hopped on here to talk tonight, again, this is just Tuesday, but Vanity Fair has put out a piece. Vanity Fair is full of fake news, so I don't know if this is true. But they've put out a piece that... Rupert Murdoch, he's the owner of Fox News, that it was this speech at the Heritage Foundation that caused Rupert Murdoch to decide to fire Tucker Carlson. Now, I don't personally, I don't care for Rupert Murdoch very much. He's one of the reasons I don't care for Fox as a network. I don't. I think he's a bad guy. And from what Vanity Fair was saying is that he was very uncomfortable with this talk of good and evil, that he doesn't like his hosts on Fox News going out there and making spiritual commentary. He doesn't like them making religious statements. So this made him very upset. And I, some say this was the straw that broke the camel's back that got Tucker fired, which very well could be because it is interesting that the, he has this speech. It blew up over the weekend. And then Monday morning he gets fired. So it was, wouldn't it be 
it's be surprising in the sense that it was a really bad business decision on Rupert Murdoch's part, but it, it wouldn't be surprising as far as the timing. You know, this that could be an explanation. We don't really know as of Tuesday night. We don't really know why Tucker was fired. We might not ever get a straight answer. But one of the theories out there is that it was because of this speech. And so I'm, if, that, if that's the case, what a way to, to go out. Because uh, one more thing I wanted to say about it, it does sound a little bit more like a politician's speech than a news commentator's speech. You know, this sounds like, as I made the parallel with with President Biden, that he goes out there and says, I'm fighting for the soul of America. The, and Tucker Carlson goes out and makes some very similar points that we're in a battle over over souls. We're in a batter, battle with dark forces. Um, except Tucker Carlson actually knows what the dark forces are. And that is pretty surprising for an Episcopalian. <laughs> and so anyway, that just because of the nature of that speech, it didn't sound like just a news commentator. It did sound almost like a political commentator. Causes many of us to wonder if he's going to launch a bid for president. And he could have a pretty good shot if he did. I would say that. He could be a spoiler for Trump and DeSantis. <laughs> Goes to show you cannot predict where 2024 is going to go. People are already making predictions. Oh, we're looking at another Biden and Trump team up or match up again. We're looking at another, you know, face off between those two. And if that was the case, then we already know how that would turn out. But we have no idea, guys. These are old men. Either one of them could have a heart attack and be dead in a week. <laughs> that wouldn't be surprising in the slightest at the pre- at both of those men's ages and at both how hard both of them have to work. Um, you know, doing the jobs of running campaigns and all that stuff. I mean, that's some hard work. Even if Biden has a bunch of people doing it for him, but I mean, it's it's a stressful thing. Any one of them I could see given out at any moment. We have no idea what's going to happen a year from now. It could be neither one of them facing off against each other. You go back a few years ago, it looked like it was going to be Bernie Sanders running against Trump. We have no idea, guys. We thought Trump was sailing to re-election, then COVID happened. We have no idea. We had, especially this far out, a million things are going to happen between now and then. I'd love it if it was DeSantis. I would love that. But we have no idea, okay? We got no stinking idea. So if Biden does give out, you know, if, if he can't make it through the rest of this year, which again, wouldn't be surprising to anybody. I, my prediction last year was that he wasn't going to make it to the end of the 2022, but that, that came true. So, hey, they keep him going. That could happen. They've got Gavin Newsom waiting in the wings to take command. So it certainly seems like they have a backup plan already in place. But... Um, we just don't know. There's, the future is so uncertain. And Tucker Carlson could come in here. Just like in 2016, nobody was thinking Trump would just come along and blow everybody away. Tucker Carlson could roll right in here and blow everybody away. Ron DeSantis could be the guy. It could be Trump again. I have no idea. Trump could be in jail a year from now. We have no idea. All right. Okay. Well, we'll just keep moving along here. Um, another thing about in our theme today, of the, the self-immolation of Fox News uh, is that they also lost Dan Bongino. Now, that this looks a lot more amicable because Dan Bongino put out a statement that he's had this weekend show on Fox for years. is called Unfiltered. Again, I don't have cable. I've never seen Unfiltered, so I don't know. I don't know anything about it. But I know Dan Bongino is a hugely popular guy. He's got the second most popular conservative podcast out there. So yeah, I guess he's my competition, right? Because he's got a conservative news podcast. And so anyway, I'm, I'm coming for that audience, Dan Bongino. Give me a call, Fox. But anyway, Fox lost a, they lost a big voice um, when they lost Dan Bongino. And that was about two weeks ago. And again, his was much more amicable. He's, he put out a statement. He said, hey, we tried to reach a deal to keep my show going. Uh, it didn't work out. He said they offered me one more show, but I'm just going to go ahead and call it quits. So, but he was in a he was very friendly about it. So it, I, I wouldn't say he was fired probably, but their negotiations fell through. So they lost two of their I would say most popular people on the entire Fox network: Tucker Carlson and Dan Bongino. Tucker was also obviously a bigger fish, but both of them got away. Fox is hurting right now, guys, uh, and not just because of those two. They didn't just lose those two; they lost 800 million dollars in a lawsuit with Dominion lawsuits. So to kind of recap that, there was a uh, defamation lawsuit by Dominion Voting Systems because after the 2020 election, Fox was accused of telling a bunch of lies about 
Dominion voting systems saying that they were hacked and that that's why Donald Trump lost. And basically, these were Trump's theories that he was going out and saying and that his lawyers were going out and telling everybody. But um, they weren't exactly <laughs> true. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a problem. But not only were they not true, during the discovery process of the trial or the, the legal stuff going on, um, during all that, uh, it did come out that the, I, somehow Dominion got a hold of some of Fox's, um, some of the text messages of these hosts. And so behind the scenes, these hosts were talking about how Donald Trump's an idiot and the election wasn't stolen and the Dominion machines were fine and this was all made up. And yet they were going on their news programs and telling the American people that the exact opposite, you know, stuff they didn't even actually believe that Dominion was had these hacked voting machines. And so this is why Trump had lost. And Trump himself may have believed this. It, it seems that he himself believed this to be true. But the Fox News hosts did not. They did not believe it. And yet they were going out and repeating these lies. So Fox got sued. They settled. They were sued for over a billion dollars. They settled for $800 million, Okay. Fox has to pay out to Dominion $800 million. Just so you know where I stand on all this stuff. Okay. I don't. There was a lot of lies about the 2020 election. Do I think that it was stolen? I would not doubt it at all if it was stolen. Because this mail-in balloting thing, to me, it is shady as heck, okay? It's not a credible system. I have a lot of questions about it. I don't trust it. It's like, even if no cheating happened in 2020, the door was wide open for cheating to happen to the extent that I would say, why wouldn't someone try to cheat? So does that mean I can prove cheating went on? No. Do I believe that Democrats cheat on a regular basis? Yeah, because they are generally immoral, corrupt, evil. <laughs> Everything Tucker Carlson was saying, absolutely, I believe they cheat. But if you're in Trump's shoes or Fox's shoes and you're going to claim that the election was rigged or that cheating happened, if you're going to claim it, you got to have proof. And unfortunately, Trump did not. His lawyers did not. Bill Barr with the Justice Department, he couldn't find any. He looked into it. He couldn't find proof. The Supreme Court, which was a very Republican-leaning Supreme Court, they didn't see proof of it. Mike, Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States, didn't see evidence of cheating. So if you don't have proof, you got nothing. Okay, I'm sorry. Trump didn't produce the proof. What Trump did in those last months of his presidency is he just kept throwing everything at the wall just to see what would stick. And he caused the Republicans to lose Georgia in that special election. And more recently, he caused Republicans to do poorly in the midterms. And now Fox News is also paying for Trump's lies. Literally, actually. You know, the whole Republican Party has been tainted by this thing. And now Fox News itself is going to be paying big bucks because they went along with Trump's lies and they were responsible for that decision. But I just want to point out because some people are going to say, well, of course it was rigged. Of course they cheated. I'm saying I wouldn't doubt it. I would totally believe it. But we got to see the evidence, okay? If you believe the election was stolen, I'm not trying to argue with you. But if you believe Trump, let me just point something out to you. Fox News just had to pay out $800 million dollars because they can't prove what Trump said was true. We had another big cable news shakeup this week. Same time as Tucker Carlson's thing, Don Lemon also got fired. <laughs> I'm gonna read the tweet that he put out about this incident. He says, I was informed this morning by my agent that I have been terminated by CNN. I am stunned. After 17 years at CNN, I would have thought that someone in management would have had the decency to tell me directly. <laughs> so then he whines for a little bit more. Um, that Not quite as dignified as how Tucker Carlson exited. <laughs> you know, both those guys were apparently fired this week. They both responded in very different ways. Uh, Don, Don Lemon tweets out his disgust with the network and complains and whines. And uh, Tucker Carlson has so far, he has said nothing. You know, he's taking it like a man. And I just think the way that, you know, the way these two different guys responded to their firings on the same day, it shows what a difference in the maturity 
and mentality of these two guys. And and I would say the the difference in Republicans and Democrats in general uh, that Tucker Carlson's let go, and he doesn't comment on the situation, doesn't immediately go out and trash Fox News. Don Lemon has let go. He immediately screenshots and whines to the world all about it. <laughs> and then CNN put out a response not too long after saying Don Lemon is is lying. We invited him to come talk to us, and he didn't want to. So, so their their last comment on the matter about Don Lemon is that Don Lemon is a liar. This guy that they've hired for, as he said, 17 years. They've hired a liar for 17 years. Good for you, CNN. Good for you to admit that as he's on his way out the door. Now, as far as Don Lemon goes, I'll just mention the first time I ever became aware of Don Lemon was all the way back in 2014. And he was arguing on his show in favor in favor of gun control. But he demonstrated that he had no idea what he was even talking about. I'm going to play. I went back and actually found that clip because this was my first impression of Don Lemon. And you know what they say about first impressions. And uh, I'm going to play this for you. So you, you hear where, what I've always thought of the guy. The gun law says that you and I can't just randomly go out and buy an automatic weapon. So let's deal with the facts here. A semi-automatic weapon is a gun that you and I are allowed to own. And in different places, they have different rules. But to imply that anyone can walk out and buy an automatic weapon is just not true, Don. What do you mean anyone can't? Well, uh, listen, during the theater shooting in Colorado, I was able to go and buy an automatic weapon. And I, you know, maybe have shot a gun three, four times in my life. I don't even live in Colorado. I think most people can go out and buy an automatic weapon. Don, what is your definition of an automatic weapon? What is your definition of an automatic weapon? Uh, uh, well, for me, an automatic weapon is something that you can shoot off a, a number of rounds, a number of rounds very quickly. I was able to buy Don, an AR-15 it, an, Don, an AR within 20 minutes a semi, in a state from, Don, of which that I'm not a and You don't that I'm know, not in all resident. due respect, you don't know what you're talking about. An automatic weapon is when you pull the trigger one time and it continually shoots off. One after another after another, a semi-automatic weapon. I can do that with my. A, I can do that with my AR-15. You're getting into you semantics can, here, just because it's not I am, semantics. Hang on, one Ben. Is let me finish. One is semi-automatic. Yes, let me finish, Ben. But listen, I think you are getting into semantics, regardless of what you want to call it—an automatic or a semi-automatic weapon. I can it's shoot a off a deal. number of it's rounds. It's a difference between breaking the law it, and not it, breaking the law. Will you okay, so that was my first impression of Don Lemon. So basically, ever since the first time I ever heard him open his mouth, I have known that he was a moron, all right? And in all the years since then, he has done nothing to change that first impression. <laughs> so, you know, this is the guy who would regularly, he'd get drunk at the CNN New Year's Eve party and make a fool of himself on live television. And this is the guy who's constantly getting stuff wrong, constantly embarrassing himself on his network. He's accused of sexually assaulting a guy at a at a bar a few years ago. Uh, this is a guy who went out and defended the BLM riots. He defended Antifa's violence. This guy's adult, okay? And so CNN started cleaning house here in the past year or two, uh, got rid of Brian Stelter, got rid of what's-his-name Cuomo. Uh, but I always said, CNN is obviously not interested in being taken seriously as long as they still have Don Lemon on their network. So... They've they've actually finally made that change. This is actually a very good this is a very good change for you, CNN. You've actually made a good decision. Okay, this has been a very bad week for Fox, but a very good week for CNN uh, because both of the, Fox made a very bad firing, CNN made a very good firing. So uh, I'll have more to say on that later. Let me let me bring up something else that came out this week about Stephen Crowder. Um, that I want to call this segment "Told You So." Because I did an episode back in January about his be betrayal of the the Daily Wire. You know, if you don't remember, he decided he wanted to leave the Blaze. Everyone wondered if he might go to the Daily Wire because that network. Uh, he's friends. He's very friendly with a lot of guys over there at Daily Wire. They offer, offered him fifty million dollars as a starting offer for him to continue to do his show the way he wanted to do it, and they would run it, you know, on their platform. And, uh, and there would be a lot of other benefits that go along with that, too. But he was expected to produce, I forget, 250 episodes a year, whatever it was, 175, something like that, uh, for $50 million for four years. So that was like the offer that they gave him. He didn't like that offer. He didn't think that was good enough. But instead of just declining it, 
he decided to throw a big fit, decided to start some movement that I think it petered out pretty quick called Stop Big Con, where he was going, <laughs> Big Con was big conservatives saying that they were the enemy. Daily Wire was actually working with YouTube to censor tr- true conservative ideas, which is just ridiculous. And uh, anyway, it was just him trying to destroy the Daily Wire. I don't think that would be an exaggeration at all to say. He was he decided to try to destroy Daily Wire, ruin all those relationships, burn those bridges there, so that he could try to make a little extra money for himself and convince a bunch of people that they were the bad guys. And you know, if they really wanted to support conservatism, they need to come subscribe to him and not Daily Wire. So seemed there is there is even more to it than that, but we'll we'll stop it there. As I looked at that situation, it was so obvious to me that he was the bad guy. He was not just the bad guy, that he was a bad guy. Um, And I was really disheartened that as I looked at the polls, people reacting to this, it was really 50-50. I could see like half the conservatives who watch Daily Wire stuff and watch Steven Crowder stuff, half of them were taking up for him and half were sticking up for Daily Wire. And I'm just kind of like, what the heck? Like, this is a very clear issue to me. This is not, I'm not being a Daily Wire fanboy. I, before all this, I legitimately liked both of these people. I didn't watch Steven Crowder as much. He's gotten a little too vulgar for me the past few years. Um, I liked him a lot more when he was on syndicated radio and he had to be a little bit cleaner. And I and I actually really enjoyed his show back then as he got more independent and he was online only. It got a little too much for me. So, but, you know, I respected what he was doing. You know, he, as far as culturally, um, it was a good thing. And so anyway, when he did all this stuff back in January, it seemed so obvious to me that he was the bad guy. And I was kind of upset. It seemed like half the conservatives out there were taking up for him. I was just like, what the heck? So that's the recap. Now, what's happened this past? Let's, let's talk about what's happened since then. He's lost like three of his co-hosts from the, from the Daily or the Stephen Crowder show. You know, he had someone called Sven Computer, someone called Quarter Black Garrett. And then now one of his co-hosts, like the number two guy, was Dave Landau. Landau, I'm not sure how to say it. But anyway, Dave Dave quit this past week for the Daily Wire show. I'm sorry, the Steven Crowder, Louder with Crowder show. He quit it, and then he went on some other podcast to talk about what a, what a diva and what a drama queen that Steven Crowder is to work for. And how much he was just alienating everybody behind the scenes. And so basically people are jumping ship from Steven Crowder and, uh, and and some sad news that came out this week too. I guess it was also revealed this past week that his wife has filed for divorce from him. And normally I wouldn't even bring that up except I, it, it goes to this, it goes to this larger point I'm trying to make here to everybody out there who's been defending Steven Crowder the past few months. I would just ask you, look at what this guy has done instead of all his allies in his life like surrounding him and trying to lift him up at this time. He's lost all these relationships. He lost his relationship with the blaze burned bridges with daily wire and all those hosts over there. Um, because as I said, he tried to destroy their company just to enrich himself. Um, but he, he lost all his friends. He lost three of his hosts at least that were with him on his show. He has kind of a panel show or whatever. He had several people with him, but he's lost three of them and he's losing his own family. And yet there's still people who are going to go out there and try to defend him and and say, well, this was Daily Wire's fault. You know, they gave him a bad deal. There were mistakes made on both sides. I'm like, no, they they offered him some money. He turned it down. He should have just walked away and moved on with his life. Uh, Instead, here's what it appears to me. Just this just seems incredibly obvious to me. This guy's kind of a narcissist who is very difficult to be around and nobody can get along with him. And so I'm, that's why I'm calling this I told you so, because I think time has proven me right <laughs> even faster than I thought it would. But I because th- I thought, OK, well, a year or two from now, everyone's going to see that he blew himself up with this whole thing. I think it's already clear now. Um, it was clear to me back then, but I think it's already like, look at everyone who's abandoning him at this moment instead of surrounding him and trying to push him forward. Um, I'd say time's probably proven this right. Steven is the problem. This is not a both sides were to blame situation with Daily Wire. I think Stephen had an entitlement complex and um, a pride issue. And the people defending him 
seemed to also have some entitlement issues. Like, because again, this was a job offer. If he didn't like it, he could just say no. He was not owed a job offer. He wasn't owed a certain amount of money. It was an offer. He could have negotiated for more. But anyway, I went through all that. This is an entitlement thing. He didn't have to go broadcast his displeasure all over the internet. He didn't have to try to destroy someone else's company over it. Instead, he acted like an entitled punk. You know, he thought he deserved more. So he decided to act all entitled about it. And um, as I said back in my January episode, when somebody acts like that, nobody's going to want to work with you after that. I I said it back then. It's going to be all downhill for him from here. And (laughs) here we are. So um, just kind of look at this here. Tucker Carlson and Dan Bongino, they leave Fox, but they do it in a dignified way. They do it with their heads held high. They move forward with their lives. They don't immediately try to destroy or attack the reputation of their former employer. So they behave honorably. Don Lemon, on the other hand, he leaves CNN and he immediately blathers about it in an emotional rampage on Twitter. And if you look at who Steven Crowder resembles more, it's pretty obvious <laughs> his his reaction to the Daily Wire offer is much more Lemon-esque than um, Bonginian, I would say. The, the, it reminds me of this quote a few years ago on, there's a show called Justified, and the main character on there one time, I can't, I can't say it exactly the way he said it because it had some bad language, okay? I want to have to censor it a bit, I guess. But the main character he says on that show, if you ran into a jerk in the morning, you ran into a jerk. But if you run into jerks all day, you're the jerk. And so Steven Crowder, he's one of those guys who seems to run into jerks all day long. Um, and and I'm going to say this too, if you're a Trump fan, I just point this out. President Trump also seems to alienate every person who ever works for him. William Barr, Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, John Bolton, Chris Christie, Kellyanne Conway. All those people were Trump allies at one point, Trump employees at, at some point, and all of them dislike Trump now and say that he shouldn't run for president again. Now, just ask yourself, those are some solid conservatives right there, okay? Maybe not Chris Christie, but the rest of them are some pretty solid conservatives. Are they all secretly evil? Are all those guys secretly deep state? Is Trump just really, really bad at hiring people? Or is Trump the jerk? Actually, that's a topic that I think we're going to talk about more next time. So before I close down later, I'm going to mention this here. If you want to get in touch with Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, you can send an email to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. And if you see some fake news, let me know about it. Maybe we can talk about it here on the show. You can find me on Twitter at Fake News Luke. Fake News Luke on Twitter. If you like Bible studies, or if you just really dig the sound of my voice, I do have another podcast. It's called Cross References, and it really has nothing to do with news or current events, um, but it is what I consider my main podcast, and I try to put out new episodes for that one on Mondays. So go check it out at Cross References on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get this podcast. You can also find my other one. My closing thoughts today. This has been a bad week for conservatism. It's actually a really bad year so far. It's been just a bad period of time. I wish it wasn't so. Like, I mean, I wish I wasn't on here to tell you that. Um, I was trying to think about how I kind of see this show. I guess it's a little bit negative by nature. I don't consider myself a really negative person. Maybe this is just my outlet to to come out here and like, bleh, and get all that out. All that negativity that I kind of soak up during the week. Because uh, I don't like to focus on negative things. I like to really try to end on a hopeful note. I really do try to do that. But um, I also got to kind of call it like I see it. And I, I, 2021, back when I launched the podcast, that was a time I had some really high hopes for conservatism. We had just won in Virginia. We were we had Let's Go Brandon going on. It was a bad time to be a Democrat. But then the midterms happened, and now look at where we are here. And 2024 is not looking so hot for us, which is a shame because we have a president who's extremely unpopular and could would be so easy to beat. And yet, um, right now, it seems that conservatives are imploding. This has been a really bad week for the for the right. I mentioned 
Steven Crowder started self-destructing back in January. I told you back then that was bad for the conservative movement. And then, because, uh, listen, he was a cultural force, okay? There's some people that I don't always quite agree with on the conservative side, 100%. Uh, like I said, I wasn't the biggest Steven Crowder fan. I thought he's a little too vulgar for me. But he brought a lot of people, he brought a lot of energy to that side of conservatism, the people that we need to get out there and vote next year in 2024. And so you kind of lose that that part of the movement. And over the past few weeks, Fox has become significantly weaker in a financial sense. And also their popularity is taking a big hit. And as we go into 2024, you want those, those, those Fox News viewers, you want that wing of the Republican Party to get out there and vote for somebody. Um, but uh, it's, you know, they're going to be a little bit disenfranchised now, a little bit disheartened. They might not be as politically motivated as they would have been without Tucker out there kind of helping lead the charge in front of a massive audience. Dan Bongino having his profile, um, having his his range, I guess, you know, having having it retracted a little bit. And so when Tucker Carlson and Dan Bongino leave Fox, Fox is getting weaker. When Don Lemon leaves CNN, CNN gets stronger. So I'm saying this has been a really bad week for the right in America. It, and it's been a bad year in general. Things aren't looking so good for next year. And I'm going to talk about that more next year, that I feel like Trump is dragging this party toward another big loss. I'm trying to warn you guys before it's too late <laughs> what, I, what I see coming, even though I do admit a lot of stuff can change between now and then. But it, if things stay the same, then what direction they're heading now, it's not great. So why is all this happening? Why, why is Fox News dumping some of their big names? Well, I, I, here's what I think I see going on. Um, Fox News may just be really over Trump. I think we saw this on the night of the 2020 election. If you remember, they called Arizona for Biden very, very early in the night. And that seemed kind of suspicious to many of us. And we felt like, I mean, you still see conservatives, you still see Babylon be joking about this. <laughs> like they'll, they'll put out a headline every now and then about how Fox News has already called Arizona for Biden in 2024 or whatever. You know, it's like, this, is, this was something that really stood out to a lot of us that night. Uh, and here's why. It's because Arizona was a state that Trump really needed. And so for Fox to just kind of declare it for Biden so early, it looked like they were just desperate for Trump to lose. That's kind of the impression that people got. Just like they wanted to wash their hands of him as soon as possible. They didn't even want to get, want to get through the night. They just wanted to go ahead and be like, nope, he's lost. And when that happened, it caused a big backlash against Fox. So for the next few months, um, I think Fox maybe to try to ingratiate themselves a little bit closer to Trump's base again after that election, I think they started repeating a lot of Trump's lies about the 2020 election, like the voting machines being hacked. Okay. I think then they tried to get back in good graces with those people. And now they're paying almost a billion dollars for that decision. So as we look at where things are now, I think they are once again done with Trump. And they've just lost their two biggest pro-Trump voices on their network, losing Dan Bongino and Tucker Carlson. And it looks to me like Fox is self-destructing because they keep making the complete opposite choice of what they should do at every turn. You know, they shouldn't have promoted Trump so heavily back in 2016. They shouldn't have called Arizona so early on that night in 2020. They shouldn't have repeated Trump's lies after that election. And they shouldn't have lost Tucker Carlson this week, who's the most popular voice on their network. And also losing so recently, Dan Bongino, also one of their most popular. What's going on with Fox? Are they about to pivot to the left? I mean, I would say that's inevitable. Rupert Murdoch is like 90 years old and his kids are going to inherit the network whenever he dies. And as many people know, his kids are not conservatives. So what that says to me is Fox's days are numbered. And, you know, if this is what Fox wants to be now, maybe the sooner it goes down in flames, the better. I mean, they've lost Tucker Carlson, they've lost Dan Bongino, and I think they've lost any reason to keep watching. But hey, at least they still have Caitlyn Jenner. Thanks for listening to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you, if you hear that the difference in automatics and semi-automatics is just semantics, that's just fake news.
Carlson. One of the first things you realize when you step outside the noise for a few days is how many genuinely nice people there are in this country, kind and decent people, people who really care about what's true, and a bunch of hilarious people also, a lot of those. It's gotta be the majority of the population, even now. So that's heartening. The other thing you notice when you take a little time off is how unbelievably stupid most of the debates you see on television are. They're completely irrelevant. They mean nothing. In five years, we won't even remember that we had them. Trust me, as someone who's participated. And yet at the same time, and this is the amazing thing, the undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. War, civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, natural resources. When was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? It's been a long time. Debates like that are not permitted in American media. Both political parties and their donors have reached consensus on what benefits them, and they actively collude to shut down any conversation about it. Suddenly, the United States looks very much like a one-party state. That's a depressing realization, but it's not permanent. Our current orthodoxies won't last. They're brain dead. Nobody actually believes them. Hardly anyone's life is improved by them. This moment is too inherently ridiculous to continue, and so it won't. The people in charge know this. That's why they're hysterical and aggressive. They're afraid. They've given up persuasion. They're resorting to force. But it won't work. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink and they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. See you soon.